Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the flagship podcast here on the Campus to Canton podcast feed. As always, I am your host, Colin, and still no Austin. Uh, but before I give him too much of a hard time, I do have to apologize to everybody for not having an episode last week. That was unplanned. Uh, there were some technical difficulties on the back end that prevented me from uploading the podcast. It was recorded, I promise. It was a good one. It's going to have Michael Nelly Nelson on. Um, but unfortunately, unable to put that one up. We may bring him on again in the offseason here to kind of rehash some of that and, and release maybe a, a lost episode of sorts. But um, so I wanted to apologize for that. Was not planned. We will still be bringing you campus life every week. Um, no hiatuses moving forward. But this episode is going to be all about the transfer portal because how can it not? There's been so much movement going on. I'm not going to break down all of these movements and what all of them mean. Uh, I think that there's still time to shake some of that out. I think you can get some of that from other places. We've been talking about that in the Discord for a while. I'll definitely highlight some of the bigger ones, some of the ones that I think are really interesting. Um, but after I break down some of those, I'm going to get into the history of transfer players and how successful they've been for fantasy purposes. Uh, break it down. It's a two-year sample size so far. Um, 2022, 2023 is what I have the data on at this point. 2021, not quite as much with the transfers, you know, and we have some past successes of guys like Joe Burrow, who absolutely tore it up, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, some guys like that. But really, the NIL era, the transfer portal era has really blown up over these last two years. So those are the two years we're going to look at smaller sample size, but I still think there's some takeaways here. Uh, and then at the very end, I will give you guys a couple players to watch out for early in the offseason here that I think could be big beneficiaries as a result of the transfer portal. So uh, not players that have moved, but players that will benefit from others moving on. Uh, before we get into all of the players that already have landing spots, which is what we're going to focus on here. I'm not going to discuss and do any of the speculating on who's going to go where. I already did an episode like that. That was a lot of fun, but we have a lot of landing spots now. So we're going to break some of these down. But before I get into that, just want to mention Malachi Nelson, because the quarterback from USC, because he is the hot name in the transfer portal. A lot of speculation a lot of discussion going on right now especially in the discord so if you're a member over at campus the canton you're not in the discord i don't know what you're doing you got to get in there it's always popping off um we're always talking about all these different updates and what they mean and what we think about them but uh just quick note on malachi nelson before we move on and we'll discuss him when he lands wherever he lands but i don't think this is a huge indictment on Nelson uh, that Riley's looking at bringing in Howard. Now, it could be, but this move, bringing in Howard, Nelson going in, potentially bringing in Howard. He's not in yet. Will Howard, quarterback from Kansas State, um, and Nelson, Malachi Nelson hitting the portal um, signals to me one of two things. There's really only one of two things that makes sense to me. First, 
Riley doesn't think that Nelson can develop into a high-level QB ever, which would be a bold assumption after his fresh year and freshman year and not really seeing him in any meaningful action. Uh, but he is the person who has seen him behind the scenes, so maybe that's a possibility. Again, I would be surprised. You know, he was my QB one. I liked him a lot, and I, you know, he had the shoulder injury that kept him out. I don't think him being behind Miller Moss was really an indictment on him because Miller Moss had the experience in the system. Were um, Caleb Williams to go down at any point? Not really surprised that they would hand the keys to Miller Moss instead of Malachi Nelson, although we didn't see that, so we don't know what would have happened. Um, but the only way that that makes sense is if Nelly or if R Riley thinks Nelson can't develop into a high-level QB, or Riley feels like he needs a QB with experience and can't afford the growing pains of starting Nelson for the first time with no other game action. Uh, this one would really only make sense to me, though, if Riley was worried about his job security. Um, you know, USC, very disappointing year this past year. Uh, they were in sort of playoff contention the year prior up until the end. They kind of choked it away in 2022-2023. This year, unequivocally disappointing in 2023-2024 season. It was, by all standards, bad. They fired the defensive coordinator. Um, and USC to start the year gets LSU and Michigan in two of their first three games in their new year in the Big Ten. I think there's a very real chance that they start one and two, no matter who's at quarterback, with the, all the other holes that they have on the team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're losing a lot at the wide receiver position. Uh, they have a lot of talent there still, but they are still losing a lot. They're losing guys out of the backfield. So they have a lot of holes on this team overall. Very real chance that Will Howard is not a good enough quarterback to get them uh, a wins against LSU or Michigan. So they could start one and two, no matter who they're starting at QB. So this also doesn't make sense to me to bring in Howard over Nelson. If you're probably going to start one and two anyway, then you also have Penn State, Washington, Notre Dame, UCLA on the schedule a little bit later as well. Um, so bringing in Howard over Nelson removes the excuse of saying, well, we have our guy of the future in Nelson. We took our couple of lumps early against some good teams like LSU and Michigan, uh, but then we figured it out in the back half of the schedule and, and got wins over, um, you know, maybe they would be Penn State. I don't know. I think Penn State would be a better team, but I'm also a homer. Uh, Washington will have some turnover at, at the offensive positions, UCLA uh, rivalry game there, but you know, they're going to be losing a decent amount, especially on the defense. Notre Dame, you know, they could be disappointing next year as well. Um, so they, it, re it removes the excuse that they have their guy in the future. They needed to let him develop with some early losses unless he's worried about his job. So I, I don't know exactly what that means, but those are the only two scenarios that really make sense to me. I'm not panicking on Nelson just yet, but it's definitely... A red flag. All right, into players who have actually moved. Um, we'll start at the quarterback position. First up, Riley Leonard, quarterback from Duke, going to Notre Dame. Um, he was very productive in 2022 for fantasy points. Um, 25.7 fantasy points per game, finished as a QB 11. And then if you remove the two games 
where he played very injured this year, which was against Florida State and Louisville, the two teams in the ACC championship game. Um, he would have had 20.38 fantasy points per game. So still respectable, even if it wasn't quite as good as what it was before. I think Riley Leonard is going to be more in the Ian Book range of a quarterback than probably like a Sam Hartman. Uh, Notre Dame might need his legs more as well with Audric Estime declaring for the draft. Um, you know, they'll have a, a stable of backs there behind him. But I think Riley Leonard, from a fantasy perspective, it's kind of a hit, but I don't think it's going to be crippling to his value. Although I don't think he's a very good passer. So Notre Dame, you know, plays a very tough schedule. He could have some some growing pains there. And I, I think this is, like I said, it's not a, a crushing to his value, but I think it is a ding to his fantasy value. Um, so I'm a little less interested in Riley Leonard than I was before, even though the school to Notre Dame is an upgrade. Uh, next, we have Aiden Childs, quarterback from Oregon State, does follow his coach over to Michigan State. There's some speculation that maybe he was upset with the way that Jonathan Smith left. But at the end of the day, uh, whether that was true or not, he does end up at Michigan State. And I think this is really, really interesting because Aiden Childs was pretty good for, you know, for some for, for some flashes this year, small, very small sample size, but he's also a dynamic quarterback. He's got the legs. Now he's moving into the Big Ten, which is a much tougher conference defensively than the Pac-12 was. I, you know, I'm not here to crap on Pac-12 defenses, but objectively speaking, the Big Ten has better defenses than the Pac-12. But Michigan State's schedule next year is not that difficult. Uh, they have a couple, they have a four game stretch in the middle where you're not going to want to start anybody from Michigan state, even if you were considering starting Childs at any point in time, but they open the year with FAU, Florida Atlantic, Maryland, uh, ULL university or UL, um, Louisiana Lafayette, Boston college. So first four games there, nobody that really scares you that much, you know, Maryland's Maryland's decent, but their defense doesn't really scare you. Then they get Ohio state, Oregon, Michigan, and Iowa. Not going to want to start him for any of those four games. Um, I don't really care how good he's looked through those first four to open the season. If he does look good, you're not going to want to start him on that stretch. But back half of the year, Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, Rutgers. Indiana and Purdue, not good defenses at all. Uh, Illinois, they struggled this year as well after having a very good year the year prior. Rutgers was a very good defense this year when they played um, you know, teams that were about on par with their competition level. Um, so, you know, not anybody that scares you that much in the back half of the season there either. So Aiden Childs could be startable in eight of 12 games next year, which is, and you know, the games you're not going to want to start him. So I think that's really interesting from a schedule perspective. So despite the move to the big 10, Aiden Childs very much in play for next year as a starter, uh, for your fantasy teams. Uh, then we have Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore going to Oregon. Dylan Gabriel was the first one who goes to Oregon. And I think this is going to be great for fantasy purposes. I mean, we saw what Oregon was able to do with uh, a transfer like Bo Nix. I think Dylan Gabriel uh, is, at least in terms of a collegiate quarterback, on par with, with Bo Nix. So I think he could be very productive in this offense. We've seen him be productive before. And Will Stein, the offensive coordinator, has had very productive offenses dating back to his time at UTSA with Frank Harris. 
So it's wheels up for Gabriel. If you have him, that's great. Now, Dante Moore going to Oregon. Uh, I think that Dylan Gabriel is good enough to keep Oregon competitive in the Big Ten um, with that offense. So, you know, and they have a lot of talent on defense as well. They'll have to replace some wide receivers. Troy Franklin, Tez Johnson, probably gone, uh, especially given that his you know brother Bo Nix is leaving as well. So we'll have to replace some wide receivers, but overall, I expect Oregon to be pretty competitive next year. So we may not see a lot of Dante Moore. It's more of a move for the future, but I, I like this a lot for Dante Moore. I think he was just asked to move around and run a little bit too much at UCLA. Uh, Chip Kelly wanted a, a mobile quarterback, and we saw that with guys like Colin Schley. You know, when, whenever Colin Schley was in there, I mean, he just rushed for like 100 yards in the bowl game. So he wanted his quarterback to run more. That's not really Moore's game. And I think that the Will Stein's offense at Oregon will help Dante Moore. He's more of a facilitator. And I think that's kind of going to open up his skill set a little bit, assuming that they can get some wide receivers for him to throw the ball to. So for a future perspective, I do like this for more. For a future value perspective on more, it also keeps that value window open for him. You know, people were kind of getting down on him a little bit, but I think this move to Oregon is going to bring that value back up. So if you have him and you do want to get out on him, I think you could do it now. But that window is going to be open for a while because nobody's really expecting to see more this year. Now for Austin Novosad, he has to hit the portal at this point. I mean, they just brought in two tra two transfer quarterbacks ahead of him. Uh, that's very frustrating. I have a lot of Novasad. Uh, I was kind of counting on him, you know, doing the whole city year. And then he would be the guy who steps in the year after that. Um, and you know, he got in the, on the field a, a little bit, a handful of snaps, you know, looked okay. Um, looked decent in the spring, but when you bring in two quarterbacks over him, the writing's on the wall, he's got to get out of town uh, he could go to Baylor, who was the team that originally recruited him. I wouldn't really love that, which I'll actually get to here in just a second. It'll be the next guy I talk about. Um, but it is at least a job where I think he could go in and could compete right off the bat, right from day one. Um, there will be other names that I'm sure, other schools I'm sure that will reach out to him. So we'll see where Novasad goes. But I would keep an eye on him to hit the portal here very, very soon. Uh, next quarterback is Daquan Finn going to Baylor. I could just mention um, Jake Spavadol is the new offensive coordinator, and he was the offensive coordinator there at Cal. We were kind of down on Spavadol coming into the year, um, you know, based on his track record previously at Texas State and said some other stops. It was not great, but Cal had a pretty decent offense last year. Um, Fernando Mendoza looked solid. The true freshman looked solid at times. Um, Jaden Ott was pretty good. You know, they, they scored more than we expect a Cal expected a Cal team to score. So I don't think this is a terrible hire. Although I think Dave, Dave Rand is probably just a lame duck coach at this point, you know, unless Baylor can really turn it around. But Daquan Finn at Toledo was very good for fantasy purposes. But I don't think he was that great of an actual quarterback. and. You know, sure, it's an upgrade because they lost um, Blake Shapin to the portal and Sawyer Robertson was terrible. So they needed somebody and Daquan Finn could potentially be solid there for fantasy purposes. But if Novasad does transfer there, Daquan Finn isn't anybody who would really scare me that much. 
Uh, but he only has one year left anyway. So, you know, Novasad would come in and presumably be the next quarterback up, even if he can't beat out Finn. But I think, you know, there would be a chance that he could beat out Finn. Uh, next up, Will Rogers to Washington. Now, we have been dying to see what quarterback ends up at Washington. And we get Will Rogers, who I don't really think is a good fit, a great fit for DeBoer's system. DeBoer kind of likes to push the ball downfield a little bit more. Um, you know, we've, we've seen it with Hayner. We've seen it with Penix. That's just not really Will Rogers' game. Now, he was asked to dink and dunk in the Mike Leach air raid, and that fit very well for him. Uh, he didn't really throw the ball downfield that much this year in a new offense. I, I don't know how he's going to fit in that offense at Washington. I mean, they're also going to be losing. They're th- presumably losing their top three wide receivers, but they will at least be losing their top one. Um, so it's going to be all new wide receivers there. Dylan Johnson also, I would expect to leave. So this offense is going to look very different next year. I think Washington as a team is going to look very different next year. This is kind of the culmination of some seniors and some more experienced guys and some good coaching. And uh, it was just a great year for Washington. I think there's going to be a step back. So Will Rogers probably is going to be the guy to start the year. I mean, that he would be the odds on favorite by a pretty good amount. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Washington struggle. And Will Rogers, like I said, I don't really think he fits this Washington offense that well. So I would keep an eye on Austin Mack still. Um, you know, he's presumably going to be the number two since Dylan Morris is in the portal. Uh, if Washington struggles, you know, with the new Big Ten schedule, it wouldn't surprise me to see them trot Mack out there at times towards the end of the season. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if it happens. I would probably put it at like, you know, like 10 to, to 20% at this point of, 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 that, of that happening. But all that's to say, don't expect Will Rogers to put up Michael Penix like numbers. Um, if you have Will Rogers, this is a sell window for me. I'm, I'm bailing on Will Rogers. Uh, he could be decent next year, but the price that you could probably get for him now being the Washington quarterback for next year uh, is higher than I think what his fantasy finish would be. I think he'd be a very replaceable level fantasy player. So I would be looking to sell Will Rogers right now. Uh, next up, we have Kyle McCord going to Syracuse. I think that's a little disappointing. Um, I, I think Kyle McCord, for all of his struggles this year, is a better quarterback than Syracuse's level. Uh, but here we are. This is where he's at. Um, he gets a new, completely new staff, gets a new offensive coordinator there, Jeff Nixon, who was the New York running, New York Giants running back coach um, this past year. But he was the offensive coordinator for Matt Rule at Baylor from 2017 to 2019, where they actually had pretty solid offenses through that stretch. Um, they finished top 20 um, twice, I believe, uh, in 2018, 2019. And he threw Nixon had that offense throwing at an above average neutral game skirt pass rate, 46.7%, um, which is not a huge amount over average, but it is over average. And then in 2019, their best year there, Baylor did finish 27th in points per game as a team. So a lot of scoring there. So this could be uh, an interesting offense for McCord. Like, I don't think he's dead for fantasy purposes, uh, if you have him on a roster, like I'm not cutting him, 
Uh, I would just kind of wait to see how it plays out. But any Debbie value, I think you thought there could have been for him is probably mostly gone. I think, you know, his best case scenario at this point is probably like a, an Aiden O'Connell type player where he gets drafted and then just is forced to start at some point in time. And that's probably the only real way he'll have much value at the NFL level at this point. Next up, Tyler Van Dyke to Wisconsin. And we saw Tanner Mordecai struggle mightily this year at Wisconsin. And as did um, Bray, um, Braylon Locke, Braden Locke. Um, so, you know, the, the Phil Longo system was not a success in year one. I think Wisconsin is a tough place to, to implement this type of a system because it is in the Big Ten. You know, you're getting a lot of defenses, a lot of good defenses every year especially with the get ridding, getting rid of the divisions. Um, there's going to be some tough matchups for them. And Wisconsin being up there further up in the north too, getting colder. Um, it could be, it could be, a I don't want to say it's going to be a failure for the, the Phil Longo experiment, but um, it's, it's more wait and see than I would be like gung-ho going after Tyler Van Dyke, especially because of how he looked this year at Miami. Uh, he got benched for a true freshman. So I, if you can sell Tyler Van Dyke right now, I would, but I'm not holding my breath for him this year. Uh, next up, we have Grayson McCall, the quarterback from Coastal Carolina going to NC State. And I think this one is really interesting for fantasy purposes. Gets paired up with that Robert and I offense that we liked. Um, Brennan Armstrong struggled this year. MJ Morris struggled this year, but I think, this is a decent offense for McCall's skill set. I think it aligns pretty well with kind of what Robert and I wants to do. And I think Grayson McCall is a, is a solid college quarterback. So if you had Grayson McCall, his value probably was on life support. Um, but this is somebody that I might actually be looking to buy right now because I don't know if everybody would be necessarily caught up to uh, how good this offense could be. You know, the, the Robert and I offense lost a little bit of shine this year. Uh, and I think Grayson McCall could be the guy to bring that back. So he's a guy that I would look to to have a nice year and like I said, potentially buy right now as well. Uh, next up, Nate Johnson, quarterback from Utah, going to Vanderbilt. Nate Johnson, very tantalizing player for fantasy purposes, given just how stupid athletic he is. Like he's one of if not the fastest quarterback in the country. He's got like Lamar Jackson level speed, but he's not good as a passer. 54% completion percentage last year, 6.9% yard or 6.9 yards per attempt. Moving into the SEC, no interest in Nate Johnson at all, despite Vanderbilt losing all of their other quarterbacks. Just no interest in Nate Johnson. Vandy probably going to be terrible next year. Next up, Curtis Rourke, the quarterback from Ohio, going to Indiana. This one's really, really interesting to me. I, at first, I liked it because you get Kurt Signetti, the head coach from James Madison, going to Indiana. He ran a very nice offense at uh, James Madison, very good for fantasy purposes. You know, we had Todd Santeo, who was uh, a very good quarterback for fantasy purposes, finished as, as a, a QB1. Um, Jordan McLeod this year also ended up finishing as a QB1. So back-to-back -back QB1 finishes for fantasy purposes for Kurt Signetti quarterbacks. Curtis Rourke also in 2022 finished as a QB1. Had a down year this year, but dealt with some injuries at times. So I was very intrigued. 
And I thought about it, and it's a really tough schedule for Indiana in the Big Ten. Uh, it's going to be the first year implementing this system for Kurt Signetti at a school. They, not a lot of wide receiver talent there. They bring in a couple of guys who we'll get to a little later. So I'm kind of lukewarm on Curtis Rourke here. But the one part that I want to highlight that is pretty interesting um, so Todd Santeo, when he was the quarterback of James Madison, ran 95 times for 366 yards and seven touchdowns. Jordan McLeod last year ran 92 times for 311 yards and eight touchdowns. So there's a good amount of fantasy production in Kurt Signetti offense for the quarterback using their legs. Curtis Rourke isn't what you would think of as somebody who's mobile. But he did have 74, 74, and 67 carries over the last three years as a starter for 327, 245, 211 yards, and three, four, and four touchdowns. All of those are over three years. So not that far off of what the quarterbacks were in Kurt Signetti offenses. So this could be there could be a little bit more value with Rourke's legs than what we thought originally. I said I'm kind of lukewarm on it. Uh, he's a type of guy that if you can get somebody who's really gung ho, I'd probably sell. Um, if you find, you know, you could get him as like a throw into a deal because somebody's not valuing him, then I would consider buying him. I think he's all market dependent right now. Uh, next up, we have Sam Levitt, Arizona State. Uh, Sam Levitt was a quarterback we really liked in this past class, uh, especially over at Camps to Canton, but I liked him as well. Um, going to he was at Michigan State. We saw a little bit of him this year, but that whole team was a dumpster fire. Going over to Arizona State, there's a lot of potential in that Kenny Dillingham offense, but he has to compete now against Jaden Rashada, who was in the same class as him, has an extra year in that system, started a couple games. So, I this is not one of the better spots for Sam Levitt. Uh, it's going to be a tough for him to unseat Rashada, I think, even though I initially evaluated him as a better player. So we'll see how that battle shakes out. It's something to keep an eye on, but I'm not overly optimistic on Sam Levitt anymore. Uh, next up, Tyler Shuck going to Louisville. That could be very interesting in that um, Jeff Brom offense. But uh, one thing to note with Tyler Shuck, He's never played double-digit games in a year. He's never actually even played more than seven games in a year. So while he could be good while he's on the field and has been good in the past when he's been on the field, him staying on the field is, is very difficult. So I'm actually I'm intrigued by who ends up as the QB2 next year behind Shuck. Technically, Brock Doman was the QB2 this past year, but he really only attempted, it was like less than 10 passes. They also brought in Pierce Clarkson in last year's class, which at the time was seen as a, a pretty nice get for Louisville. Um, he reportedly kind of struggled in spring, but he was a true freshman, so we'll see how that ends up shaking out. And they also brought in uh, Brady Allen, formerly of Purdue, who was with Jeff Brom over there. Uh, he was like the QB3 this year, barely any work, barely heard anything about him. So... I'll be interested to see which of those three ends up as the QB two next year, or if Louisville does bring in another quarterback, like we heard that they've been, you know, inquiring about. So Tyler Shuck should be good when he's on the field for Louisville, but 
I'll be interested to see who that QB2 is because he doesn't stay on the field very often. Next up, we have Max Johnson to UNC. That one it was announced a while ago. Look, Max Johnson's flamed out twice. I, I don't really see any reason to think why he's going to be good at UNC now, although at least now he's out of the SEC. Uh, I think this is still keeps the door open a little bit for Connor Harrell. Uh, Max Johnson will open the season as a starter, I would assume. But again, I don't think he's very good. He could lose it part of the way through the year. So Connor Harrell, interesting name to monitor. Next up, Catton Hauser, quarterback formerly of Michigan State as well, going to East Carolina. Uh, I think that's kind of an interesting spot. East Carolina had some success before with Holton Allers. Uh, Holton Allers was a startable fantasy quarterback for you. He was nobody you were excited about, but if you had to throw him in in bye weeks, he was interesting. So I think, and Mason Garcia is gone, who was formerly there at ECU. I think that whole offense was a mess this year. Um, but Kattenhauser, you know, it was a, he was a power five level quarterback now going down to the G5. So I think that's worth keeping an eye on there as well. We got MJ Morris to Maryland. And this one is disappointing for me. I was, I was hoping MJ Morris would end up somewhere in a really fun offense. Um, but Maryland with, Josh Gaddis and Kevin Sumlin there as co-OCs, not overly inspiring. Um, you know, Talia Tagovailoa was decent at times for, for fantasy. Um, so maybe MJ Morris could hit that ceiling as, as Talia. But at Maryland, again, Big Ten team, you're going to have some tough, tough games on the schedule. I'm definitely stocked down for MJ Morris. Uh, he'll probably, he should start there. I mean, he'll battle with, I think it's Billy Edwards, um, something like that. But, you know, he's not anybody to write home about. So maybe he starts, but I'm concerned about MJ Morris. Next up, Taylor Green to Arkansas. Uh, Taylor Green, formerly of Boise State, got benched this year for Maddox Madsen uh, before Madsen got hurt. And then Taylor Green stepped in. Um, Taylor Green, look, very, very fun for fantasy purposes. And you do bring in Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator uh, who has success, has had success with running style quarterbacks uh, like Lamar Jackson when he was at um, Louisville uh, and Connor Wigman this past year, you know, not a, a running quarterback, but he's definitely mobile. Connor Wigman finishes a QB 29 on a points per game basis this past year. So, you know, and in SEC you know, against an SEC schedule in a, on a team that was in flux all year, especially with Jimbo getting fired. Um, so I think whoever ends up being the quarterback for Arkansas could be interesting. And Talon Green um, would, I would probably give the leg up to since Bobby Petrino is now the offensive coordinator and, you know, brought him in with this staff. But Jacoby Criswell, the former UNC quarterback, is there as well. I wouldn't write him off yet either. So I would keep an eye on both of these guys. Um, both of them could be interesting for fantasy purposes. They could give you some decent games, um, but I don't know who's going to start yet. So it's just a situation to monitor. And then next up, we have probably my the most disappointing signing of the cycle to me. You know, Will Rogers to Washington was definitely disappointing. Uh, for anybody looking for a home run stud of a quarterback in Kalen DeBoer's system for next year. But as somebody who's a Mac truther, um, 
that wasn't, you know, bringing a Will Rogers was that disappointing for me. Um, the most disappointing signing of the cycle for me, though, Blake Shapin to Mississippi State and Jeff Levy's offense. I mean, when I did my speculation show, you know, I was connecting all sorts of different quarterbacks there. Riley Leonard had, you know, been recruited by Jeff Levy. Devin Brown was recruited by Jeff Levy. And, you know, could have, there were some interesting quarterbacks in the portal this cycle. And Blake Shapin's just not one of them. I mean, he's just not good. He's, he's okay. I guess as a college quarterback, you know, he was better than, than Sawyer Robertson, but I mean, that Baylor team was a mess this year. He doesn't really elevate that offense. He doesn't bring anything really with his legs either. Like we've seen some Jeff Levy quarterbacks do. Uh, I think this was, this was really disappointing um, to see Blake shape in there. And I'm, I assume at this point he ends up as a starter because there's like nobody else there. Um, but they also bring in Michael Van Buren as, uh, as a recruit and, you know, our recruiting team's not a big fan of him. I was not a big fan of him when I watched him. So I don't know what Jeff Levy's quarterback room is going to look like or what he's doing recruiting the quarterback position, but I'm avoiding Blake Shapin. I have not heard any hype around Blake Shapin to be able to sell him, even if you do still have him, but uh, he is not somebody I'm looking forward to next year. Um, next up, we have Hank Bachmeyer to Wake Forest. I don't really think we need to say anything about that one. Um, Wake Forest was a dumpster fire this year, and Hank Bachmeyer, not good. So look for Wake to continue to be a dumpster fire. I think Dave Clawson missed his window to move to another school to, to use Wake Forest as a stepping stone because I could see him getting fired after this year if they have another terrible year. Uh, AJ Swan to LSU, that one just happened, and I don't really care. Um, I, Garrett Nussmeyer is going to be the starter this year. I don't really think AJ Swan was that great. He started at Vanderbilt, but wasn't really all that good there. Um, he's not going to be that good at LSU, which is a step up. Nussmeyer has patiently waited his turn. Uh, and then LSU has guys like Ricky Collins. They have guys like Colin Hurley coming in. I don't expect AJ Swan to be a guy of the future there either. So I think we can just mostly ignore Swan, mostly just like a depth signing. Uh, then we have Brock Vandergrift to Kentucky, which could be sort of interesting for fantasy purposes because he's athletic, but I don't think Brock Vandergrift is very good. So I'm not all that interested in him for fantasy purposes this year. I think that really tanks some of their wide receivers, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, but Brock Vandergrift, I mean, tuck the name away, keep an eye on it. Casey here, he's like lighting it up in spring, but I'd be kind of surprised about that. Uh, and then the last one I want to talk about at the quarterback position is AJ Duffy, the former quarterback from uh, Florida State, going to San Diego State. And I think that is a really interesting landing spot because he goes there with Sean Lewis, the former offensive coordinator at Colorado, former head coach at Kent State. And he has architected some really fun fantasy offenses, uh, very good fantasy offenses. And I think A.J. Duffy, um, he was a guy that I, I was intrigued by as a freshman recruit going into Florida State. I mean, he was, you know, he's got a little bit of mobility to him. He's got a pretty nice arm. I think he can run a Sean Lewis offense pretty effectively. Uh, and especially against the Mountain West schedule, 
I could see him being a fun fantasy quarterback for next year. So he's definitely one to keep an eye on. I'm sure he is available in supplemental drafts. So he's a guy that I will likely be taking uh, once supplemental draft season rolls around. We'll see how high, um, we'll see how the offseason progresses. But A.J. Duffy to San Diego State is definitely one to pay attention to. All right, moving into the running back position, and, and this one's going to go a lot quicker than the quarterbacks. There's been so much quarterback movement. Uh, running backs, the first one up, have to start with Rocket Sanders, the running back from Arkansas going to South Carolina. I think some people were kind of disappointed with this landing spot, myself included. You know, I was really hoping he would return home to Florida, would go to Florida State. I think that would have been really fun. Um, I don't think South Carolina is a death knell. South Carolina's offensive line was like, I think right around on par with Arkansas's, which both of them were bad this year. Um, South Carolina has been very active in the portal. I haven't seen offensive line if they've brought anybody in off uh, on the offensive line. So hopefully they have to, to help him out. Uh, but the biggest thing with Rocket Sanders is he's going to need to slim down. He's going to need to get healthy. Um, but, you know, as far as Debbie draft stock, you know, I don't think this is a death knell for him at South Carolina. If he produces at South Carolina, I think he can still get drafted. You know, I don't see it as any worse than Arkansas in terms of what the NFL will think. And, you know, you can point to well, what running back has South Carolina produced in the last how many years. But I don't really think that matters that much, to be honest. I think it's an SEC school. And if you do well in the SEC, you can get drafted, you know, in the third round, you know, fourth round, even if you're not that great. Um, so... Uh, I don't think this is a death knell for, for Rocket Sanders or anything. I think the most concerning part of it to me, though, honestly, was the fact that they just keep recruiting running backs to go there. They brought in Oscar Attaway, the uh, running back from North Texas. They brought in Jawarn Howell, uh, a running back transfer from South Carolina State, the FCS level up. Not that either of those guys scare me, and they're probably more depth signing because South Carolina does lose some running backs. Uh, Mario Anderson hit the portal, which we'll talk about here in a moment too, but it's just a little bit concerning for me that they're continuing to bring in running backs. Um, not an alarm bell, just kind of something to pay attention to. Um, but I think rocket Sanders lost a lot of Debbie value this year, but I'm not totally giving up on him. Uh, I think could be a potential bounce back this year. We'll see definitely monitor in the spring. Um, next one up is Marcus Carroll to Missouri. Marcus Carroll, formerly of Georgia State, had a very, very nice year this year for fantasy purposes. Um, he finished as a as the RB 16 on the year um, with 20.49 fantasy points. So very nice year. And Missouri had Cody Schrader who finished as a top 10 running back this year. He finished as RB9 with 21.5 fantasy points per game. So a, a lot of people are really liking this landing spot. And I don't necessarily hate it. I think Missouri and that Eli Drinkowitz offense is really interesting for fantasy production with the running back position. Um, so I understand, and I, I do want to own whoever the starting running back for Missouri ends up being. And I do think Carroll will, will get the first shot at that, but I think his value is going to be too high right now. I would consider Marcus Carroll a sell. I think people are going to see the year he had the year Cody Schrader had, 
And they're going to expect him to repeat that and finish in that RB, you know, nine to 16 range. And I don't necessarily know if I see that, you know, uh, we'll get into it with some trends a little bit later in the show, but G five to P five running backs, not the strongest track record of success. And that Missouri offense is losing at least two starters on an offensive line that was in contention for the Joe Moore award. And they potentially could be losing a third. So we're going to see some turnover on that offensive line could be a step back. So Carroll's not like a must sell for me, but if I can sell him at the, at a good price right now to somebody who's really amped about that landing spot, I would probably take advantage of it. Next up, we have Chip Trainum, um, running back slash linebacker from Ohio State, formerly of Arizona State, uh, going to Kentucky. And I think this is a really interesting landing spot. Now, I was not, if you, if, if you saw on Twitter, uh, this was a very divisive topic in our C2C Slack channel uh, amongst all of us, the founders, contributors, everybody who, who works with us. Uh, everybody on the C2C team was was getting into the discussion on this one. Um, I am not on the train that Chip is going to be a or should be a first round supplemental pick this year. That's very bold. Typically in supplementals, I reserve first round and most of the time the second round too for the incoming freshmen um, because they just have the higher ceiling typically. I'd start to consider Chip train them in maybe like the third or fourth round. Uh, I think he could be really productive there at Kentucky. You know, we saw um, dating back to Benny Snell, Chris Rodriguez, um, and then just this past year, Ray Davis, all very productive for fantasy purposes. So I think Chip Trainum could be very productive for fantasy purposes. I think he's probably the best athlete out of all three of those uh, aforementioned running backs from Kentucky because, you know, Chip Trainum played corner in high school. You know, when he was in high school, they, they wanted him to shut down the opposing team's best wide receiver, and he did it at like 220 pounds. Um, he played linebacker too. He's, he's versatile. He's athletic. So I think he could be good at Kentucky. I like this landing spot. I'm not quite as high as some of my C2C coworkers are on him, but uh, Kentucky also loses both of their offensive tackles and possibly a guard. So the offensive line might take a step back. So. I think he's a guy who's going to be available in a lot of supplemental drafts. He's probably a candidate to get overdrafted at this point, but I do like the landing spot as a whole. Uh, the next one here that I really like uh, as an under the radar signing and somebody that I'm going to be probably targeting pretty aggressively in supplementals. Um, and by aggressively, I mean, he'll be like a mid round pick for me when most people will probably be seeing him as like a late round pick. Uh, but that's Mario Anderson, the former running back from South Carolina, going to Memphis. Now, Memphis loses Blake Watson this past year. Blake Watson had a, a phenomenal year. Now, he was like a wide receiver running back hybrid. He caught a lot of passes. Um, he finished the year as the RB4 um, for, for fantasy purposes with 23.8 fantasy points per game. Uh, I don't expect Mario Anderson to repeat that, but... Mario Anderson did have 22 catches this past year, so it's not like he's a slouch in the receiving game. Uh, they return their all, entire offensive line, or they can return their entire offensive line. And if you're an offensive lineman at Memphis, you're probably not going pro. You're probably not entering the portal. I haven't heard anything about any of those guys. So I think that whole offensive line probably coming back intact. Seth Hennigan will be back for another year. 
the only downside is they do bring back Brandon Thomas, who is, had nine rushing touchdowns last year on 39 carries. So that's annoying. He could be very annoying to want um, to Anderson. Um, Sutton Smith is still there too. He had some carries. They also brought in Katron Hargrave from Mississippi state. So they have a, a JV on Ducker formerly of uh, Northern Illinois. So that they have some other bodies in that backfield, but I think Mario Anderson's pretty good. I think that he could be really interesting here for fantasy purposes. And like I said, I think this is under the radar right now. So Mario Anderson to Memphis, definitely a guy I'm watching this spring heading into supplemental draft season. Uh, the next up, um, these ki- these next couple guys we're going to breeze through pretty quickly. Treshawn Ward, form- running back, formerly from Kansas State, formerly from Florida State, going to Boston College. Uh, I think that he's not really anybody for the NFL anymore. Um, I wrote up a Debbie Guide honorable mentions piece in the spring, uh, which did mention Taj Brooks. So success on that one. It also mentioned Treshawn Ward, so failure on that one because he got passed on the depth chart by DJ Giddens this year. Treshawn Ward was not successful. Boston College is probably the most talented running back on the roster overall. Kai Robichaw was there. I haven't checked into his eligibility yet, but I'm not really all that worried about Treshawn Ward and who the running back is here because Thomas Castellanos is effectively going to be the Boston College running game. Um It'll open up some lanes. He'll open up lanes for other guys, but I'm not really that interested in whoever this is. Um, so Treshawn Ward, you you know, you have him. He's a potential cut candidate for me, to be honest. Next up, Don Cheney Jr. to Louisville, formerly of Miami. Uh, I was never really the biggest Don Cheney Jr. fan. He's had trouble staying healthy. Has not looked particularly great at Miami. I I, I don't really care about Don Cheney Jr. to Louisville. The only thing is this, you know, slows my Kiwan Brown um, hype train. Kiwan Brown was of the um, 2023 recruiting class. He was a freshman this year. You know, he had a couple of nice carries this year. Um, Jawar Jordan is is headed off to the NFL. He's in a bowl, uh, one of the offseason bowl games, I think Shrine Bowl. Um, so there wasn't really anybody else there. It's mostly a depth signing. I'm still interested in Kiwan Brown, but this like kind of pumps the brakes a little bit for me. Next up, Evan Pryor, running back, formerly of Ohio State, going to Cincinnati, staying in the state of Ohio. Look, I really liked Evan Pryor when he came out as a freshman. I thought he was a really dynamic pass catcher. Um, came in in the same class as Travion Henderson, so he never really got a chance. He kept getting injured, tore his ACL, um, could never really get on the field. I think going down to Cincy, that's probably a good level for him. If he can stay healthy, I don't know how much he really fits that offense there, the Scott Satterfield offense. So, I mean, we'll we'll see how this ends up shaking up. But Corey Kiner did, wasn't really able to do that much, so I'm not overly optimistic on Evan Pryor. Uh, next up, Cartavius Norton, running back formerly of Iowa State, guy that we really liked in last year's freshman class. Ever really did anything. He's going to Charlotte. And I don't know if you saw the announcement picture, but he was looking beefy in that. Um, I am not interested in Cartavius Norton at all. I thought he could have went to a really fun landing spot, but Charlotte is not that. Charlotte has a lot of negative game script. 
Um, they also have a lot of bodies in that backfield there. They brought in Darrell Robinson. It was a freshman. They brought in Shadrick Bird. There was another guy this past year who just had a really nice game down the stretch. He had like two or three of them. Names escaping me at the moment, but there's a lot of bodies there. Not really interested in Norton anymore. Uh, next up, Zach Evans, running back formerly of Minnesota, uh, transferring to North Texas. I think this one could be interesting. Uh, Zach Evans was a guy that we, you know, we kind of liked um, as a Minnesota style running back. You know, a guy who's a little bit bigger, bruiser. Um, you know, going to North Texas. North Texas lost Oscar Attaway, a guy I mentioned before, who was now at South Carolina. Uh, so they could need a running back there. Um, and they also lose their quarterback, um, Chandler Rogers, to Cal, and their backup, Stone Earl is stone cold terrible so they might need to lean on the running game a little bit more so zach evans a little bit of intrigue at north texas next up reggie love going to purdue formerly of illinois i'm not really all that interested i'm pretty sure devin mockaby is still there but i you know it, it was still a graham harrell offense at least last that i've heard um i have not heard that he's been let go or anything so and graham harrell doesn't really run the ball that much so not really all that interested in Reggie Love. Uh, next up, Jalen Jenkins, running back from Washington State, going to Texas State. Uh, Jalen Jenkins was a freshman this past year, flashed a little bit, had a couple you know, moments there at, at Washington State. So I think Texas State's a, a pretty, pretty good level for him. But they have Ishmael Mahdi. Uh, who was was good for fantasy purposes this year? And Ishmael Mahdi has two years of eligibility left, um, so I think this is just more annoying for Mahdi owners than anything for Jalen Jenkins. Uh, it's not necessarily like tanking Mahdi's value. We'll see how the spring shakes out. It's you know maybe knocking him down a couple spots, maybe limiting the ceiling a little bit. But I still think Mahdi will be okay for next year. Uh, then the last one that I want to talk about is Armani Goodwin. Running back formerly of LSU, uh, going to UAB. Uh, he was a four-star running back and the number seven running back overall in the class of 2021. Um, and Jermaine Brown Jr. is going to be gone. He's out of eligibility, so they need a running back. They do have Isaiah Jacobs, who was their RB2 this year. Through He only played five games, though, before he tore his ACL. Uh, Isaiah Jacobs has never played more than five games a year. Uh, he tore his ACL at like the beginning of October. So is he going to be ready for the start of the season? Probably, but he probably won't be up to full half. I could see Armani Goodwin getting on campus and being kind of impressive in spring. You know, I think he was a solid running back, probably not quite good enough at LSU, but UAB, very good level for him. The next leading rusher this past year for um, UAB was a freshman Lee BB. So not really a ton of competition there. I think Armani Goodwin could be really interesting. And I, if he fills that Jermaine Brown junior role, he could be very productive. So Armani Goodwin guy to watch out for. And a guy who's probably on a lot of supplemental drafts right now, a lot of waiver wires. Uh, next up the wide receiver position here, uh, Antoine Wells wide receiver, formerly of South Carolina going to Ole Miss. And I'm torn on Antoine, on Antoine Wells Jr. We really liked what we saw from him in 2022, especially to close the year. A lot of, a lot of hype around him for 2023. And he disappointed. 
he got hurt. Didn't I never really came back. There were some rumors that he was told if you sit out, you can come to us next year who, you know, maybe that was Lane Kiffin, who knows. But he sat out the rest of the year, barely played. He goes to Ole Miss, which is, I think, a very interesting landing spot. You're going to be having year three of Jackson Dart. So that could be a really well-oiled offense, um, I think. So, you know, and Jackson Dart is a quarterback who, you know, I, I think can get Wells the ball and, and Wells could be productive there. So I'm definitely interested, but I'm a little hesitant to given the whole situation around Wells this past year. Uh, next up, we have Deion Burks to Oklahoma. Uh, and I think this is a really interesting um, pickup here. Deion Burks, formerly of Purdue. Um, Oklahoma kind of needs a wide receiver. They didn't really have anybody step up this year. Jaleel Farouk was a huge flop, who I'm sure Austin will remind me about at some point in time. He hasn't mentioned anything in a while, but as he listens to this, I'm sure I'll get a message. Uh, Nick Anderson was mildly interesting at stretches. He's kind of more of a big play guy at this point. Deion Burks could be could be very interesting there at Oklahoma, um, you know, in, in the Jackson Arnold era. So Deion Burks, definitely got to watch out for there. Uh, next up, Matthew Golden to Texas. Matthew Golden, formerly of Houston. Uh, Debbie Darling, guy that we, a lot of us liked at the at C2C. Um, kind of disappointed this year in his opportunity to really be the lead guy with Tank Dell gone. Uh, but that Houston offense never really clicked like we thought it might. Uh, but I think Texas is a really good landing spot for him. You know, they're presumably going to be losing Worthy and Adonai Mitchell, probably losing Sander, or JT Sanders as well, who's tight end, yes, but pass catcher. So they're going to be, um, you know, hurting a little bit of pass catcher. They're going to be retooling a little bit there. They have Jonte Cook, a guy that we like a lot, but they'll need somebody else. I think Golden could be that guy. So I think. There's going to be a lot of hype around Golden going to Texas. So I wouldn't fault anybody for using this bump in value as an opportunity to sell him because, um, you know, it's a G5 to P5 transfer. Those don't always necessarily work. Well, actually, no, Houston was power five this past year. Um, but I, it's a big step up to, from Houston to Texas. And he didn't wasn't particularly inspiring this past year at Houston. So I understand if there's skepticism. And I understand if you want to move off of him. I am probably going to continue to hold him. Uh, I think he's more of a hold right now than a buy. Uh, the value is probably too high right now. Um, but I'm not ready to give up on him, so I'm not necessarily selling. Next up, we have Will Shepard, formerly of Vanderbilt, and Cordell Russell, the freshman from TCU in this in this past year's class, going to Colorado. Um, sorry, I'm just not all that interested in Colorado's offense anymore. Pat now with Pat Shermer at the helm. Pat Shermer was not overly inspiring down the stretch. You know, now should already get hurt. Um, but I'll highlight a little bit later in the show here where we talk about some wide receiver trends um, with transfers. But that offense from wide receiver perspective perspective sputtered down the stretch after Sean Lewis was gone. So Cordo Russell, if you can use this to sell him, absolutely do it. He was a year one zero. Wasn't even close. Uh, all athlete, uh, very good athlete, but still needed refinement as a wide receiver. And I don't know if he'll get it at Colorado. Uh, Will Shepard, uh, Mr. September, very, very good and for fantasy purposes in September. And then once he got into SEC play, was just never very good. Could be interesting at Colorado. More of like a field stretcher type guy, but 
again, with Pat Shermer at the helm, not super interested. Next up, we have Ja'Cory Brooks and Cullen Lacey. Ja'Cory Brooks, formerly of Alabama. Cullen Lacey, formerly of South Alabama, going to Louisville. And I think those are both very interesting. Uh, Cullen Lacey more so than Ja'Cory Brooks for me. Cullen Lacey is more of a slot wide receiver. Uh, I think you could fill in the slot wide receiver role in that Jeff Brom offense, which has been productive over the last couple of years. Quarterback position, definitely going to be something to watch, like I mentioned before, given Shuck's injury history. Uh, who's going to be behind him to give him to distribute the ball? Jamari Thrash, also a little bit of a mirage, which I'll get into a little later too. But uh, definitely could have been worse for Cullen Lacey landing spots going in into the transfer portal and leaving that cushy gig at South Alabama. As far as Ja'Cory Brooks goes, this is absolutely a sell opportunity if you can use it. Um, I, I don't see this offense supporting two fantasy relevant wide receivers, and it's just Ja'Cory Brooks is on the outside. Um, Colin Lacey's in the slot, so Colin Lacey has a, a big leg up, I think, in terms of fantasy production. And Ja'Cory Brooks just has really faded down the stretch, uh, the last two years. Uh, not really even during down the stretch, just faded the last two years compared to where he was at his freshman year. Um, so if you can use this to sell Brooks, I'm definitely doing it. Next up, we have Cyrus Allen, uh, formerly of Louisiana Tech, and Javon Harvey, formerly of Old Dominion, going to Texas A&M. I'm not really interested in either of these guys, to be honest. Um, even you know, with the the turnover on offense uh, or in the coaching staff, but Evan Stewart, Moose Muhammad, and Noah Thomas are not in the portal at this time. So, and it's you know we're two over two weeks with the portal open. Could they enter it later? Absolutely. But I'm operating this under the assumption now that they're all going to be back. And I think they're all more talented than Cyrus Allen and Javon Harvey. So I think these are depth signings. It's definitely a blow if you owned them for fantasy purposes, but I am I'm not inspired by Allen or Harvey going to Texas A&M. Uh, next up, Rico Flores, formerly of Notre Dame, going to UCLA. Not really interested there at all either. Um, Rico Flores was, you know, was probably the most productive uh, and looked the best overall of the freshmen at, at Notre Dame this past year. Um, Jaden Greathouse had a good start to the year, but he faded once they pushed him out wide. Um, Rico Flores was okay, but UCLA was not very good for fantasy purposes at the wide receiver position this year. Not overly inspired by whoever they're going to be starting a quarterback, whether it's Garbers, whether it's Schley. Um, so, I'm not really interested in Flores. That hurts his value a lot. Next up, Josh Kelly going to Texas Tech. Josh Kelly, formerly of Fresno State and then Washington State this past year. Uh, he had a nice little uh, nice little fantasy finish there um, this year. He was a, a top 60 wide receiver. Um, but going to Texas Tech, I mean, I think it's an interesting landing spot for him. It definitely hurts my boy, uh, Coy freaking Eakin. Um, but Akoye can look good in the bowl game and had a connection with Baron Morton. So I would lean Eakin over Kelly at this point. I think it's a stock down for Kelly for fantasy purposes, regardless, but whether it's totally craters his value or not, we'll see. Uh, next up, Braylon James, wide receiver from Notre Dame, Eric McAllister, wide receiver from Boise state, both going to TCU. Um, Braylon James, not a guy I was really all that interested in before. So not really all that interested in him now. Eric McAllister, kind of intriguing. 
Uh, TCU doesn't really have a go-to wide receiver at this point, and I think McAllister could be interesting. Uh, definitely could have been worse landing spots for McAllister. So if you have him, uh, he's a hold. I wouldn't buy him, but interesting nonetheless. Xavier Thomas, wide receiver formerly of Mississippi State, going to LSU, and I think this is really just a depth signing here for LSU to replace uh, or try to help replace Malik Neighbors and, and Brian Thomas Jr. So not really all that interested in him. Next up, we have Chris Mitchell, wide receiver formerly of Florida International, and Bo Collins, wide receiver formerly of Clemson, going to Notre Dame. I think both of these are solid wide receivers. I think both of these additions are solid additions for Notre Dame, um, given that they just had a mass exodus from their wide receiver room. Um, but I think the most interesting piece here is both of those guys are more outside wide receivers, which could push Jaden Greathouse back into the slot where he was best. With Riley Leonard at the helm, I'm not overly optimistic that any of these wide receivers will produce for fantasy purposes. So if you can sell them, I'm probably doing it. Um, but I think this could potentially open up a sell window at the beginning of the year for Jaden Greathouse if he does in, start in the slot and has a couple of nice games to start the year. Could reopen a sell window for him, um, which I would probably look to take advantage of given how bad he was when he was on the outside. That was our biggest concern with Greathouse was his athleticism. It seems like he's going to have to be a big slot type and I'm not sure how successful that archetype is going to be at the NFL level. So while Jaden Greathouse um, not writing him off for dead or anything like that, but if the sell window opportunity opens at the beginning of the year, I'm taking advantage of it, and I'm probably selling Chris Mitchell and Bo Collins as well. Uh, next up, we have Chris Tyree, running back, transitioned to wide receiver, formerly of Notre Dame, going to Virginia. Uh, I think this could be interesting. Virginia is losing Malik Washington, so they'll need somebody to kind of funnel the offense through, and Tyreek's a dynamic player. Um, so, you know, could do worse maybe than Chris Tyree. Uh, he's probably out there on some on most waiver wires, probably in supplementals. Uh, if he sounds like he's doing well in spring, you want to take a, a late, you know, 14th, 15th round dart throw on him, I think you could do worse. Uh, next up, Robert Lewis, wide receiver, formerly from Georgia State, going to Auburn. And I think, you know, this is another G5 to P5. Uh, Robert Lewis was good at Georgia State. Uh, is he going to be good enough to lead that Auburn wide receiver room? I hesitate to say yes. So I think this is a stock down for Lewis. If you can sell him, uh, I would do that. Um, I, I don't think. I don't know what that Auburn passing attack is going to look like next year either. Um, given Robbie Ashford, I believe is in the portal and Peyton Thorne, just not very good. Uh, and they haven't brought in a transfer quarterback yet either. So Robert Lewis, probably a sell for me here. Ashton Cozart wide receiver from Oregon going to SMU. And I think this is just only interesting in that it's an S it's a wide receiver going to SMU. They were pretty disappointing last year, but, um, I'm not ready to write off Rhett Lashley wide receiver ones. We'll see. We'll see who ends up shaking out. I still probably think it's going to be Jordan Hudson, if anybody to own, but just a name to tuck away. Next up, we have um, Jamori J. Macklin, wide receiver from North Texas, and Raymond Cottrell, wide receiver from Texas AM in this past year's freshman class. Um, both of them going to Kentucky. 
Not overly optimistic for either of these two for fantasy purposes. Kentucky kind of struggles to produce fantasy relevant wide receivers outside of Wandale Robinson. Uh, Brock Vandegrift isn't overly inspiring for, you know, fantasy production at the wide receiver position. Uh, I don't think Brock Vandegrift's very good. I think the only thing that this says to me is this is kind of trouble for Barry and Brown. The fact that they brought in two transfers at the wide receiver position when they still have Brown, they still have key. I think it's kind of a knock and and a little bit of an indictment on Brown and key Um, a little bit, not a huge one, but I don't expect either of these guys to be productive for fantasy purposes next year. Um, And at this point, you know, Barry and Brown, Dane key probably looking like day three prospects at best for the NFL, which really hurts after Barry and Brown's promising freshman year and given how dynamic he is. Now, Barry and Brown is going to have a place in the NFL given how good of a kick returner he is in that special level of athlete. But is it going to lead to fantasy success? I'm starting to have my doubts. Uh, next up, we have Jared Brown, formerly from Coastal Carolina, and Jaden McGowan, formerly of Vanderbilt, both going to South Carolina. Uh, I think these are interesting. You know, I think they're more depth pieces. They're okay wide receivers. Uh, nobody that I'm, you know, crazy about here. Uh, but they lost Juice Wells. They lose Xavier Leggett. So they'll need somebody to step in and fill up. Could they have gotten better guys? I would have hoped so. But I don't think these are bad signings for South Carolina. Uh, next up, Wesley Grimes, wide receiver formerly of Wake Forest, going to NC State. Grimes is a guy that we thought could be the next guy up at, at Wake Forest. Um, and he was in the starting rotation this year, but that Wake Forest team was so bad. And I think this NC state is at worst a lateral move for him from like a net zero that you'd never really wanted to start to a net zero. Now, can he get on the field for NC state and can he be productive? Well, remains to be seen, you know, I mean, it's going to be Kevin conceptions, you know, wide receiver room and everybody else is fighting for scraps, but is there going to be enough there for Grimes? I don't know. You know, I'm probably not rushing to pick him up, rushing to acquire him, but I'll keep an eye on it in spring and we'll see. Uh, two more here we have. First, we have Jackson Meeks and Yazid Haynes, both formerly of Georgia, going to Syracuse. Uh, I think only notable in that Syracuse doesn't really have any wide receiver talent. And the offensive coordinator, uh, Nixon, like I mentioned before, did lead some productive offenses. You know, he had Denzel Mims. He had Tyquan Thornton. So some interesting wide receiver options there. Um, so I think these guys are at least two pe- two players to monitor. Uh, and they'll ha- they should have a decent quarterback in Kyle McCord. Um, last, we have Miles Price, wide receiver formerly of Texas Tech, Miles Cross, wide receiver formerly of Ohio, and Keyshawn Williams, wide receiver formerly of Wake, all three going to Indiana. Donovan McCulley, wide receiver from Indiana, also withdrawn from the portal, so he is staying there. So now that's a decent wide receiver room at Indiana. I think you know there's nobody that really is going to scare teams, but I think these are really nice depth signings. I still think McCulley would probably be my favorite in this room. Uh, none of these guys are probably going to be all that interesting to me for fantasy purposes. Um, there should be a good amount of negative game script for Indiana, but still I, I hesitate to advocate rostering any of these guys. I, I think it's just better for Indiana as a school that they are bringing in some, some decent depth pieces here.
All right, that's going to do it for the transfer portal landing spot updates. Um, I was a lot talked for like an hour, but we're getting into the transfer history here. Uh, and again, two year sample size. So it's, it's not a huge sample size, but I think there are still some things that we can take away. Uh, and we'll start at the quarterback position this past year, the top 12 fantasy, um, finishes were Jaden Daniels, Dylan Gabriel, Caden Salter, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, Byron Brown, Jordan McLeod, Drake May, Jalen Milrow, Garrett Green, Haynes King, and Cam Ward, um, where it finishes your top 12. You know, I think the biggest takeaway here for me is that all five of the top five and six of the top 12, so half of the top 12, were all second-year transfers. They weren't guys in their first year at the school. Um, they're all guys who had transferred in, had some level of success the year prior, although Caden Salter, not quite as much. Um, but, you know, Daniels, Gabriel, Nix, Williams, Ward, all some level of success. And then took a, a, a nice step here in year two. Now, Nix probably a little bit of a step back, actually, but still finishes a top four fantasy quarterback. I think that's a really interesting note that half of the top 12 was second year transfers. And then two others... Uh, Jordan McLeod and Haynes King were both also transfer players this year. Now, this was their first year, but that's over half of the top 12 that is um, transfers. As eight of the top 12 were all transfer quarterbacks. So you can find a lot of production from transfer quarterbacks here, and especially from quarterbacks entering year two in a system if they showed something the year before. Um, the next 24, so we're going top 36 total. So that's QB3s. Um, we got Michael Penix was a player in there. He finished as the QB13 on a points per game basis. Uh, he's a second-year transfer as well. Jackson Dart uh, finished inside in this group as a second-year transfer. Austin Reed, John Reese Plumley, Joe Milton. All of those guys also um, second-year players. So we have 12 of the top 36 were second year transfers. That's a third of the group. I think that's really interesting. And I think that could signal potentially uh, a trend to monitor for the future. And that's something I'll get into at the end with players to watch out for. Um, but I think there could be some smoke here to watching out for guys who were are second year players in the system that had success the year prior um, and are, are returning and are returning some other, you know, position players and some other skill players. So uh, definitely situation still matters, but these transfer guy quarterbacks, there could be some value there for sure. Um, you know, there were other transfers in there uh, as well. There were um, 19 total quarterbacks in the top 36 that were transfers. Um, TJ Finley, Donovan Smith, Shador Sanders, Chandler Rogers, Thomas Castellanos, also transfer guys in the top 36. But on the other side of that coin, you also have to be careful. There are definitely some disappointments here uh, on this list. There are some, some pretty big landmines. Um, first up, Sam Hartman. Uh, quarterback transferred from Wake to Notre Dame, finished as the QB 59. Not good. 
Uh, if you had him, if you invested in him, you likely invested at a much higher price than that. And he very much disappointed. Devin Leary, quarterback transferred from NC State to Kentucky. He finishes a QB 103. Also very disappointing. Hudson Card, formerly from Texas, transferred to Purdue. He was in that Graham Harrell offense. We were kind of intrigued. Finishes a QB 65. Brennan Armstrong, quarterback transferred from Virginia to NC State, reunited with Robert and I, his former offensive coordinator, really unlocked him two years ago from a fantasy perspective. Massive disappointment. QB 68 on the year. Tanner Mordecai, um, transfer from SMU, where he was very productive the year prior. Uh, QB 84 this year in Phil Longo's offense up there in Wisconsin. Um, all those guys, very disappointing. Colin Schley, Jeff Sims, Jake Garcia, Taven Jackson, also disappointing transfers. All of those guys that I just mentioned were top 25 quarterbacks on 24-7's transfer portal list for that year. So that's... It's 10 of the top 25 guys who were pretty big disappointments. Um, I'm not even including guys like Luke Altmeyer was on that list. Um, you know, I'm, so I'm not even really counting him. Um, there's some other guys on the list here that I'm not counting either. Like Shador Sanders was a hit. Walker Howard um, was to be determined. DJU was a wash, I would say. Sam Jackson um, quarterback transferred from TCU to Cal, lost that job. He was basically nothing. That was a miss if you were counting on him. Uh, Graham Mertz was probably sort of a hit-ish. Um, but did you ever really want to start him for, for fantasy purposes at Florida? Um, Brady Allen, I mentioned before, he was the 16th-ranked quarterback in last year's cycle, uh, transfer cycle. at Now he's at Louisville, reunited with Jeff Brom, which is why – you know, a little bit of interest in who the backup quarterback is behind Tyler Shuck. Um, Spencer Sanders, Mikey Keene, Keaton Slovis, Sawyer Robertson, Malik Hornsby. None of these guys. There's a lot of these guys that just that disappointed. Mikey Keene was okay. Um, but you got to watch out for landmines there too. So um, I think the keys for watching transfer players are second year for transfer quarterbacks looking for second year players who had some production the first year and are in fantasy friendly systems and are returning a decent chunk of that offense. So they're not looking to replace a lot of pieces. And there's one guy who I'm going to highlight at the end of the show, moving into the running back position here um, from this past year, the top 12 or on a points per game basis, Ashton Genty, Ali Gordon, Kyrie Robinson, Blake Watson, Ramon Davis, Maureen Hampton, RJ Harvey, Audric Estime, Jonathan Brooks, Jade Knott, Cody Schrader, Penny Boone. Uh, four of the top 12 on this list were transfers. That's Watson, Davis, Schrader, and Boone. Uh, and Cody Schrader was the only second-year transfer on that list. Um, so not a ton of smoke in terms of transfers at the top of this list here. Uh, and there's also not really that much smoke um, and that much of a correlation amongst transfers having success uh, amongst the next 60. So I, I looked at the the top 60 running backs. It gives you an RB5, potentially some flex guys in here. Um, there were 12 of the rest of the top 60 that were transfers. So 16 of 60 were transfers. Only four were second-year transfers. Um, 
Those guys were Cody Schrader, LaDamian Webb, Bucky Irving, Kamani Vidal. All guys who were pretty productive the year prior, uh, except for Cody Schrader. But Webb, Irving, and Vidal, all pretty productive the, the year before that. So, you know, and year one was a good year for them. Um, other notable names that transferred that had success this year, Dylan Johnson was in this list. Um, Harrison Whaley, he got hurt uh, through stretches, but he had some success. Marshawn Lloyd, um, Quentin Cooley at Liberty, Imani Bailey at TCU. Um, so at the running back position, I, I don't think there's a lot of signal here. I think you're mostly still looking at talent and system. Um, but there are definitely disappointments. You know, Carson Steele um, transferred from Ball State a, a year after finishing as a top five, top three running back in 2022. Finished this year as the RB73. Aiden Robbins, very similar boat, um, transferred to BYU, finishes the RB188. Treshawn Ward, I mentioned before, finishes the RB79. Uh, LJ Johnson, formerly from Texas A&M, transfers to SMU. Finishes as the RB183. Uh, Alton McCaskill, Logan Diggs. Logan Diggs finished as the RB66 this year. McCaskill is the RB450. Sean Tyler finishes the RB419. Trey Sanders, 272. Byron Cardwell, Jalen Knighton, Justin Williams, Thomas. All of those guys I just mentioned were also top 25 guys on 24-7. So definitely some disappointing players in that list. I think... My biggest takeaway here is G5 to P5 transfers are risky. I think that there's, you know, the only guy that we really saw be successful, um, you know, Ramon Davis before went Temple to Vanderbilt and had success last year. Vanderbilt carried the success over this year. Um, but Really not all that many other G5 to P5 transfers. Um, Basul, Basul Tutin um, for Virginia Tech. And Cody Schrader both did come up from, and, and Cam Scadabo as well, came up from the FCS level to, to both all post top 60 finishes this year. So, you know, maybe FCS to uh, Power 5 schools, you know, maybe it's not something to totally throw out the window, but in terms of G5 to P5 transfers, the running back position, I'm pretty wary of that, which is also why, like I said, I'm kind of wary of Marcus Cam uh, Marcus Carroll. Then looking at the wide receiver position here, um, we had two of the top 12 that ended up, that were, that were transfers. And we had Malik Neighbors, um, Malik Washington, Roma Dunze, LeJonte Wester, Troy Franklin, Marvin Harrison Jr., Torrey Horton, Cullen Lacey, Tet McMillan, Luther Burden, Brian Thomas, Jalen Royals. Uh, that was your top 12. Transfers, Malik Washington transferred from Northwestern to Virginia. He kind of came out of nowhere. So I don't really think that this is um, something that we can draw any strong conclusion from Tory Horton followed his coach from Nevada to Colorado state. I don't really consider that much of a transfer to be honest. Um, but technically is a transfer second year guy. Um, but I don't really think there's a ton that we can pull from that. Uh, in the rest of the top 60, it's kind of a mixed 
bag here. Um, you know, 10 of the top 60 wide receivers were transfers. Um, eight of them were in their second year post-transfer. So guys like Taj Washington, Sam Pinckney, Jalen Polk, Ricky Pearsall, Jacob Cowing, Ricky White, and Luke McCaffrey, all guys who were in their second year post-transfer. Um, other guys, you know, Tez Johnson, Stephen McBride, Xavier Weaver, Josh Kelly, Brendan Rice, Keon Coleman, Trey Harris, Jamari Thrash. So um, actually it's 18 of the top uh, 60 that were wide, that were transfers 10 first year, eight second year. Uh, I think something to note on this one is again, G5 to P5 transfers. Um, not a lot of like guys that you would consider smash successes. Like I said, Jamari Thrash before I was talking about Louisville. Uh, he's a little bit of a mirage. Uh, he finishes the wide receiver 60 on the year, 16.39 fantasy points per game. Definitely not bad. Um, six of the first seven games of the year, he was over 18 fantasy points. Um, but then the last four games, if you remove the ACC championship games, he had no games over 15 fantasy points and two games with five or less. So he really, really faded down the stretch. So if you had Jamari Thrash on your team and you were relying on him in the playoffs, you probably didn't win. Be you definitely didn't win because of him and you might have lost because of him. So Jamari Thrash, G5 to P5 transfer, probably technically is a hit in that area. But I, I, I we're, you probably weren't all that happy with him. Uh, next up, Trey Harris. Transfer from Louisiana Tech to Ole Miss. I believe he actually started his career at LSU, then went Louisiana Tech, then went back to now he's at the he's at Ole Miss. Uh, he finished as a wide receiver of 59, 16.5 fantasy points per game. Uh, he was very, very boomer bust. Two fan, two games over 40 fantasy points with another one with 29, and then four games in single digits. He was also banged up throughout the year. Um, but in terms of G5 to P5 transfers. I think this is another one in the same kind of bucket as Jamari Thrash, where, you know, were they as productive from a fantasy perspective as they were the year before? No. But were they total busts? No. And they probably helped their NFL draft stock to th those. Those are both probably day three wide receivers at this point. We'll see if the offseason cycle goes with senior bowl and the, and the, the all-star bowl game circuits, but they're probably guys who will be on NFL rosters. Uh, next up, we have Josh Kelly, wide receiver Fresno State to Washington State, uh, also transferring again to Texas Tech, as I mentioned before, but he finished the year as a wide receiver 41. Uh, he had four games over 20 fantasy points and five games with 10 or less. So again, a little bit boomer bust, kind of the wide receiver two in that offense. But still, if you had him, uh, you were probably pretty happy with that. So I would consider Josh Kelly a success. Uh, from a G5 to P5 transfer. And then we have Xavier Weaver from South Florida to Colorado, finished the year as a wide receiver 40. Um, he finished with 18.5 fantasy points per game, uh, which was a huge jump up from Josh Kelly at 41. It was 16.8. So there was a pretty big drop off between 40 and 41, which I thought was interesting. But with Xavier Weaver, he had three games this year with 25 or more fantasy points two games with 30 or more, but um, two of those three games 
were in the first three weeks. Um, he had two games with single digits. Um, one of those came at the very end of the year. Um, with Sean Lewis, he averaged 21 fantasy points per game. Without Sean Lewis, he scored 11, 16, and 7 fantasy points. So Sean Lewis was kind of a catalyst here. He said that whole offense kind of sputtered a little bit in terms of passing once Sean Lewis is gone. And I, and I kind of expect that to continue next year. I don't think that this Colorado offense is going to be as high flying as it was in the first, you know, three weeks of the season. Uh, and Xavier Weaver, if you had him was very good, very similar to Jamari thrash, where I would consider him a success from a G five to P five transfer level in especially in that I think he improved his NFL draft stock. He's another guy that I could see being taken on day three. But another guy where if you needed him down the stretch in the playoffs, he probably let you down. Uh, the next one here I just want to mention is Jacob Cowing, um, second year guy, UTEP to Arizona. I think he's the biggest success of a G5 to P5 um, transfer of the past two years. He finished this year as the wide receiver 25. Uh, 18.4 fantasy points per game. He was very productive for you last year. So I think he was a success in terms of fantasy production as a G5 to P5 transfer. And then the last G5 to P5 transfer, the most successful one this year. Can anybody name him? I'll give you a second. Think about it. Because this one surprised me a little bit. Tez Johnson, wide receiver from Troy going to Oregon, transferred to Oregon to be with his brother, Bo Nix. I knew he had a nice year, especially down the stretch. But he ended up finishing as the wide receiver 24. And this is before the Pac-12 championship. I'm removing Pac-12, ACC, SEC championship, those games, because fantasy season's over. Um, that'd be like including bowl games. Not doing that. Um, but 18.7 fantasy points per, uh, per game. But it was over 20 fantasy points per game in each of the last four games of the year with one game over 30 and one game over 40. Uh, so he finished really strong down the stretch, uh, which I get, which is what propelled him up as high as he is. I'm not surprised to see him on this list, but I was surprised to see him as the top G5 to P5 transfer this year. And I think he's also a success. You know, he potentially could have won you some matchups if you had him and started him down the stretch over those last four games. Uh, and I think that he will end up also in that day three conversation. I think he's very fast. I think he's, he he's has a, a place in the NFL at the, in the slot. Um, he's very small, which is definitely his biggest concern, but pretty dynamic with the ball in his hands. I think he'll offer a little bit in the return game as well. So I, I think Tez Johnson will have, will be on an NFL roster, which I, if he was still at Troy, I don't think you'd be able to say that. Now, wide receivers that were disappointing, wide receiver transfers that were disappointing, there are plenty of those as well. Um, J. Michael Sturdivant, wide receiver transferring from Cal to UCLA, very disappointing, finishes a wide receiver 232. And of course, he blows up in the bowl game just to rub everybody's face in it. Uh, we had Dorian Singer transfer from Arizona to USC, wide receiver 353. Jordan Hudson, wide receiver from TCU to SMU, finishes the wide receiver 199. Ali Jennings, wide receiver from Old Dominion, transferring to Virginia Tech, wide receiver 607. Terrible. Dante Cephas, wide receiver transferring from Kent State to Penn State, a guy that 
I thought could be that wide receiver one that Penn State needed. That never materialized. He finishes a wide receiver 390. Caden Prether, wide receiver transferred from West Virginia to Maryland, finishes a wide receiver 136. Dante Thornton, wide receiver transferred from Oregon to Tennessee, finishes the wide receiver 490. Uh, Dejon Stribling, wide receiver Washington State to Oklahoma State, wide receiver 482. JoJo Earl, Alabama to TCU, finishes the wide receiver 411. And Zachary Franklin, wide receiver from UTSA to Ole Miss, wide receiver 705. All of those guys, big disappointments, huge disappointments. You couldn't start any of those guys at any point this year. Um, so definitely some landmines in this as well. I think my biggest takeaway from looking at this is that G5 to P5 transfers at the wide receiver level aren't death sentences, but I would not expect them to produce in the same way that they did at their G5 school when they were a stud, you know, and now maybe they are the number one option or, or one B option for their new passing attack. But I think that it's still tough to, for them to maintain that same level of CFF value. Uh, and all of these wide receivers that were successful G5 to P5 transfers, Thrash at Louisville, Harris at Ole Miss, Josh Kelly at Washington State, Xavier Weaver at Colorado, Cowing at Arizona, and Tez Johnson at Oregon. All of them were at offenses that we wanted pieces of this offense anyway. So I think the biggest takeaway here for me is that I'm probably selling G5 to P5 transfers at the wide receiver position. Now, Devontae Walker actually was a was a huge hit here as well, um, you know, and, and I think that that's definitely worth mentioning. Um, he was tough to to keep on this list uh, to have on this list here in terms of um, fantasy points per game, just given the way that he finished, uh, or I mean, the way that he started the year. It took him a while to get onto the field, so. Um, he would also be considered a hit for sure. I, I think he's probably looking at day two draft capital at this point. Um, so, but again, you know, an offense, he was at UNC. That was an offense tied to Drake May. We probably wanted a piece of uh, whoever the lead wide receiver was, even with the new offensive coordinator, Chip Lindsay in there, not being our favorite. Um, so all of those guys were still in offenses that we wanted pieces of anyway. And, they weren't quite as productive as they were the year prior, but uh, still uh, startable levels of production throughout the year. So I think my big takeaway here, like I said, is that it's not a death sentence, G5 to P5 for wide receivers. But if you can capitalize on that value, um, if there's still people who are viewing them as CFF studs, that's when I might sell them. Um, like I said, guys like Cullen Lacey at uh louisville this year probably would be the guy that i would want to own but i still might want to sell him uh if i could get somebody who's who's really bought in um jay macklin going to kentucky chris mitchell at notre dame um if i can sell those guys then i'm i'm probably gonna do it uh robert lewis to auburn another one in, in that category that i think will lose value from a cff perspective um, last part here that I wanted to highlight and, and well, I'll run through 2022 here quickly. Um, in, in 2022, 
Uh, five of the top 12 quarterbacks were transfer quarterbacks. One was a second-year transfer, and that was Hendon Hooker. Um, six of the rest of the top 36, so that would be 11 total in the top 36, were transfers. One was a second-year transfer. That was Cam Rising. Uh, at the running back position, two of the top 12 were transfer running backs. One was G5 to P5. That was um, Zazavian Valade, who went from Wyoming to Arizona State. Um, but then the rest of the list, there were only 11 transfers uh, out of the top 60 total. So running back seems to not fare all that well in terms of transfers. There's not a ton of signal there. Um, wide receivers, four of the top 12 were transfer wide receivers, uh, including Xavier Hutchinson, who transferred from community college to Iowa State. Uh, and then 10 of the rest of the top 60 were transfers. Um, something I think that was a little bit notable as well is the number of higher ranking wide receivers from 2022 that transferred in 2023 at following their big season. You had guys like Zachary Franklin, Devontae Walker, Xavier Weaver, Jamari Thrash, Dorian Singer, Elijah Spencer, Ryan O'Keefe. Uh, Tyron Smith tried to transfer but that did not work. Dante Cephas, all of those guys uh, finished in the top 60 and all of them tried to capitalize on their big year uh, and transferred out. Uh, I think you also see some of that this year, not quite to the same extent, um, but LaJonte Wester, Cullen Lacey, Jay Macklin, Chris Mitchell, Robert Lewis, Josh Kelly, again, Kelly Akariai uh, from UTEP, and Jared Brown uh, are all guys who are in the portal and who have transferred or are expected to transfer and are trying to capitalize off of a, a big year for them. So another takeaway here, at least at the wide receiver position, is if these guys are having a, if they had a big season, we might see um, these productive wide receivers from CFF at the G5 level transfer up or try to transfer up. So you kind of have to play those as more of one year windows, I think. Um, but players to watch in 2024, as promised. I have five sort of six names for you here. Uh, all of these guys are affected by transfers, um, but they are not transfers themselves, except for one, and that is TJ Finley, quarterback at Texas State. He's the guy that I think fits the uh, mold that I'm kind of looking for at quarterbacks moving forward uh, is second year transfers who had some production. Um, he finishes the QB 36 this year and who are going to have the same coaching staff and, and supporting cast for the most part back together. Uh, I think that's a recipe for success. And I think TJ Finley fits that perfectly. GJ Kinney, still a Texas state as of right now. I don't see him going anywhere else at this point, but still not all of the coaching positions have been filled, but GJ Kinney is still at Texas state. TJ Finley finished as a QB 36, like I mentioned, and they're getting the entire offense back together. Actually um, TJ Finley, who actually has two years left. Um, although I, I wouldn't necessarily count on anything beyond this year. Um, Cause like I said, I, I probably start to treat these, the, a little bit more like uh, one year, year to year type players. But 
Um, TJ Finley is coming back. Uh, Ishmael Mahdi is coming back. Joey Hobart, Cole Wilson, Ashton Hawkins, top three receivers, all of them are coming back. None of those guys are in the portal. Uh, the offensive line, they're going to lose at least two players They to graduation. They could potentially lose another two. Um, we'll see. I haven't seen anybody about them in the port, uh, any of those guys going into the portal. If you're an offensive lineman at Texas State, you're probably sticking around as long as you can. Uh, but I think Texas State's probably going to have one of the highest offensive returning productions for next year. You know, once uh, CFB winning edge, Nick releases the C2C winning edge database um, for returning production this year, we'll know for sure. But I have a feeling that they're going to have one of the highest offensive returning production rates. So TJ Finley is a big target of mine, I think, for next year. And he's not somebody that I I, I think has a very expensive price tag right now. You could probably get him as a throw-in. Um, during supplemental draft season, you know, fifth round, you, somebody's on the clock, you might be able to get TJ Finley for a fifth round pick. Maybe if you have to even bump it up to a fourth, I would start to consider it. But I, I think in that range is, is a range where you could get TJ Finley. And I think TJ Finley uh, is going to be on pace. TJ Finley finished as a QB three this year. I think he'll finish as a QB two or better next year. Um, next up are all guys who, like I said, be benefit from other players transferring out. First one is John Matier, the quarterback for Washington State. Cam Ward in the portal. He's gone. Um, he's going to go off to the highest bidder. But Ben Arbuckle is still there, the offensive coordinator. And we like that Ben Arbuckle system. Uh, we liked it at, at Western Kentucky. Uh, and it was pretty fruitful at Washington State as well. He's still there. John Matier was the backup quarterback this year. He's a redshirt freshman. He went 13 of 17, 76.5% completion percentage, 235 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, but he also had 92 yards rushing and three touchdowns on the ground. So brings a little bit with his legs uh, in a very productive offense. And Washington State's schedule next year is soft. They start off with Portland State. Then they get Texas Tech, which is not a super soft matchup, but it's not anything that scares you. Then they get Washington, probably one to avoid there, although that's a rivalry. Apple Cup coming early in 2024. Uh, but then they get the Mountain West schedule. They get San Jose State, Oregon State, um, which could be, you know, maybe along the lines of Texas Tech. That could be a, a matchup to keep an eye on. Um, San Diego State, Boise State, Fresno State, New Mexico, Hawaii, Utah State, and Wyoming in Pullman, which I think is important when you mention about Wyoming. Um, they get them at home. Soft schedule. John Matier, uh, guarantee you he's on a lot of waiver wires out there. He's a guy I think could really benefit um, from Ben Arbuckle or from Cam Ward transferring out, Ben Arbuckle still being there. Um, two other players I think would benefit are on Washington State as well, and that's wide receivers, Kyle Williams and Carlos Henderson. Or Hernandez, I'm sorry, Carlos Hernandez. Um, Lincoln Victor is done. He's out of eligibility. Josh Kelly's in the portal, like I mentioned before, headed to Texas Tech. Kyle Williams finishes the wide receiver 59 this year. You know, so he was, he was productive. You know, he had startable weeks. And then Carlos Hernandez finished third on the team in slot snaps behind Lincoln Victor, who's gone, and Isaiah Hamilton, um, who is also gone. He's out of eligibility as well. So I think Kyle Williams, Carlos Hernandez are the leading candidates to be the top two wide receivers for Washington State next year. It gets a very soft schedule with the Ben Arbuckle offense. 
and John Mateer, a quarterback who I think could be pretty solid. So Washington State is going to be an under-the-radar offense to target next year. I don't know how many people are going to treat them like a G5 offense, um, but that's kind of how I would treat them. Uh, it'd be like a G5 offense that we want to target. Last two players, uh, Tony Johnson, wide receiver for FAU. Uh, Lejonte Wester is gone, and um, Tony Johnson was second in, sn in slot snaps by a lot with 139. Um, but he was primarily outside last year because Lejonte Wester just dominated the slot snaps. But um, Tony Johnson finished with a 34% in the slot, 64% outside. But like I said, dominated the number two in slot snaps. Uh, and we want Tom Herman wide receiver once. Um, Tom Herman over a seven-year average, 16.7 uh, fantasy points per game from his wide receiver one. And two of those years were over 20. One year was at 19 fantasy points per game. So we like Tom Herman wide receivers once. There's going to be a vacate of uh, vacated role there with Wester gone. Tony Johnson is seeming like he's going to be the guy who leads in the snap or in the slot there. So that would be a very under the radar guy that I'd be looking to target um, very late in supplementals, at least at this point. Uh, one caveat, you do have to keep an eye on who the quarterback's going to be because um, I believe Casey Thompson's out of eligibility, but eligibility is made up. So who knows for sure. Um, but Daniel Richardson, is, the backup is in the portal. So he's gone. So important to pay attention to the quarterback is, but Tony Johnson, wide receiver, FAU, name to file away. Last one, um, KZ Adams, running back at Georgia State. Uh, and this one, Marcus Carroll is gone. Marcus Carroll was very productive this year, as I mentioned before. Um, Darren Granger, the quarterback, also gone out of eligibility. Uh, those two combined account for 409 carries. KZ Adams was the second leading running back in terms of carries, third on the team in carries with 35. Next was six. So huge, huge vacancy in the running game here. KZ Adams seeming like he's going to be the top running back for next year. Doesn't seem like they're going to get anybody in the portal. He's not at this point. Definitely something to watch, but doesn't seem like they're going to bring anybody else in. They're going to be returning three offensive linemen for sure likely four offensive linemen. Like I said, a wide receiver or running offensive lineman at Georgia state. You're probably not going pro keep an eye on the portal, but I haven't seen anything lately about that. So a lot of continuity in the offensive line, Uh new focal point of the offense is going to be needed. We don't know who the quarterback is going to be. They have a guy on staff who's, uh, who's been there for three years. Um, Cal pseudo. I don't know how to pronounce that one, but uh, he'll probably be the favorite to start, but they said they'll need somebody to be a focal point of the offense. And I think Casey Adams can do that. Now, Adams didn't have a great stat line last year, so it is possible that he may not be that good. Um, it is definitely possible, but the opportunity should definitely be there. So Casey Adams, running back Georgia State, name to monitor. That'll be a beneficiary from Transfer Portal. All right, that's going to do it for me. I just talked for an hour and 45 minutes straight by myself. Um, so I apologize to all of you guys who just had to sit through that. Hopefully you pulled some nuggets out of this. Um, I will be back next week. I'll be joined by a guest. I promise at least one, I think three guests. Um, but 
it won't just be me talking to you guys for the whole time, but I will be back next week. But until next time, have a good one.